Hello and welcome to Spotlights. This is the podcast for the Yale Forum on Religion and Ecology. I'm your host, Sam Mickey. And for this week, uh, it's a privilege and a pleasure to welcome onto the show, Carl Anthony. Carl, welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Well, I really appreciate you uh, making the time for us. Um, for people who don't know you already, a little bit of a background. Uh, you're an American architect, regional planner, social justice activist, and an author. Uh, you're the co-director, founder uh, with Paloma Pavel of Breakthrough Communities, uh, which is a project dedicated to building multiracial leadership for sustainable communities in California and across the nation. Um, what else? You're also the former president of the Earth Island Institute, co-founder, former executive director of its Urban Habitat Program, which, uh, according to my understanding, was one of the first environmental justice organizations to address race and class issues. Uh, yes. So you're also you know, the author of a book, The Earth, the City, and the Hidden Narrative of Race. I want to chat about that a little today. And also, very timely, you're uh, the recipient of this year's award for the Thomas Berry Award, award I think that began in the late 90s with the Center of Respect of Life and Environment and the Humane Society started this award with the Thomas Berry Foundation. And uh, so you're carrying forward Thomas's work in a really innovative and interesting way. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, first and foremost, I want to hear just a little bit about your work in general, and I guess specifically with Breakthrough Communities. You know, what, what have you been up to lately? What is Breakthrough Communities? Well, um, we, uh, uh, I guess I was in a, in a position of uh, working for the Ford Foundation, and uh, Dr. Prevel uh, was a director of our strategic communications agenda for the work that I was doing at Ford. And uh, we had an opportunity to um, elaborate on the grants that I was giving, uh, mostly for environmental grants for communities of color who were primarily doing other things to advance the issues of communities of color. And I saw an opportunity, and Dr. Pavel also saw the opportunity to bring the focus uh, bring a sharper focus on the issues of sustainability in that work at the Ford Foundation. Nice. Yeah, really special, really great work. Um, and I know a lot of people in the Bay Area definitely know that it's a, it's a very you know flagship institution around here. Um, so also, you know, I want to hear a little bit more. I know that uh, the, some stories about Breakthrough Communities are in uh, your book, but I also want to hear a little bit more about it, especially for any of our uh, listeners or viewers who don't know it. It's a really wonderful book, uh, The Earth, the City, and the Hidden Narrative of Race. So could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, yes. Uh, actually, the, that book is uh, in part uh, an autobiographical, and I, my intention was to lift up uh, a set of experiences that are not that uh, well-developed within the environmental community that positions our community uh, at the African-American community to go back to the origin of humanity. You know, uh, on, on uh, 250,000 years ago in the Rift Valley, uh, the uh, Africans uh, came down from the trees and uh, began to walk across the, the savannah. And that part of that heritage uh, which was uh, 
many thousands of years before we uh, got enslaved uh, by the Europeans who were coming to Africa to get a labor force, uh, we had been developing a culture, African, our ancestors were developing a culture that have ha, has a lot to do with our thinking about uh, our climate change issues today because the emergent issues of climate is what was responsible in part, at least in some by, by some people, maybe even more than a part, uh, with the emergence of uh, the human race. I really appreciate that perspective. It's so, um, you know, different than the normal narrative you hear when people are talking about like environmentalism. They go back to like Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson and John Muir. And it's this very, as if it's this very recent phenomenon. Uh, and you're saying, well, actually, the, the history, right, of the human relationship to nature, we need to think about the entire evolutionary trajectory of the species. So you're really thinking about the human at the whole species level. I think that's correct. And I, I also think that our history, uh, speaking of, as African-Americans, our history uh, gives us a window on looking at the, all of humanity's relationship to the environment and our recent history, which is five, four or 500 years old, uh, really emerged at, at a point when the Europeans were uh, really gaining a mastery of, of the oceans and were able to uh, translate that to their own personal advantage, but really ignoring the uh, profound experience of many uh, non-European cultures and Africans uh, were a part of that. So it's really adding a dimension to all of human history. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and you know, sometimes I think when people get into this larger evolutionary or ecological perspective, uh, you know, thinking about the whole earth even, then they miss urban issues, specifically the city. You know, a lot of ecologically minded people are always just trying to get away from the city and they want to be in the wild. And so uh, one of the really special things about your work is uh, the way you focus on cities so much while also focusing on this larger evolutionary narrative. So for you, what's the role of the city in, uh, in human evolution or in our current historical moment? Well, you know, the, the, the primary relationship uh, between people and the city uh, it grew up at the time that uh, people began to uh, develop a, an approach to agriculture. And the cities were an, an important uh, uh, contribution to the, that, those efforts. And I would say maybe 20,000 years ago or 15,000 years ago, uh, when many of the ancient civilizations began to emerge, uh, th th there was a great deal of, of work that was under underway within the uh, African-American community uh, on the, the African community on those uh, those important uh, changes that were happening in the uh, in the human relationship to the environment and uh, the city was an important an important part of that and so then for the the future of humanity uh, to have a sustainable relationship and a just relationship to the earth we can still have cities but obviously, the way we're currently planning them and organizing them isn't really getting it done. Yeah, it, that's right. And 
And so our, our historical experience is also a critique of the sort of dominant view of the cities, uh, which is not so much related to nature uh, as it is re related to accumulation of capital and uh, the creation of human power in the, in the, uh, in the larger uh, universe, uh, ignoring the ecological foundation of that in, uh, in our exploitation of the resources of nature. These, this kind of, you know, ecological and evolutionary perspective obviously is very close uh, to the work of Thomas Berry, who's so influential for the Forum on Religion and Ecology, and for really a lot of people in different fields of, uh, of study and different kinds of activists and advocates. Uh, so, like I mentioned, you uh, with Paloma Pavel are the recipients this year of the Thomas Berry Award. And so congratulations. That's very special. And um also a really good indication that uh, Thomas Berry's thought has all these different kind of applications and implications. And so I wonder if you want to say a little bit about uh, how Thomas Berry's thinking came into your life and, and what role it plays. Well, well, it's important to realize that uh, my understanding of the universe was actually shaped by my ele elementary school education. And uh, this was long before I learned anything about Thomas Berry. And this uh, period of human evolution, which really uh, began with the history of the Earth, which was, was gaining much more uh, consciousness in, in the human community, uh, at the same time, uh, the African peoples were becoming uh a, a, a contributor to that to the uh, our common heritage in relationship to the city and um we we uh i would say that our ancestors really explored so many of the foundations of our our work in uh agriculture at the same time that uh our, we became aware of the, the villages and the cities and much of that has been going on uh, in Africa, in, in the communities that are, are uh, very much rela relate, uh, related to our dependence on the natural world during that period. Right, right, exactly. I really appreciate knowing that, uh, you know, your uh, early you know, childhood education provided you uh, with this, because I hear that a lot from people who are hearing about some of these kind of evolutionary ideas and thinking about large historical patterns. And they say, well, I didn't learn this in school. We need to get this out to the schools. Uh, so it sounds like you were in a context uh, well, where that was communicated really well. It was communicated. And I was in a class to my brother. My brother was uh, who actually uh, grew up to become an astrophysicist. And so we used to have debates far into the night about uh, uh, astrophysics, which I didn't really understand much of. But nevertheless, for young people, uh, we could maintain a debate without knowing much about what you're talking about. <laughs> but the most important thing is uh, that for me, um, the whole consciousness uh, of uh, human evolution in Africa which was off limits to most in, most European uh, people, but the but the whole idea of the universe story 
gave me a really entry point, which goes back to my own experience uh, as a child and growing up as with a, with a brother who was an astrophysicist, and it gave me a, an opportunity of reclaiming that 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 perspective uh, to um, to contemporary issues. I really appreciate the uh, the way that kids can have debates about things, even if you don't know much about it. I think that's a lot of good conversations and dialogues can come out of that. We might actually know the most essential things about it, but uh, it was part of my experience that uh, because I was in a history in an American situation in which our our experience of the natural world was really cut off from us because of this European tradition. And so... uh, the, the rediscovery of the importance of African culture in the development of our understanding of cities uh, is really an, an important starting point, which is quite different than the points of, as you had mentioned, many of the founders of a modern environmental movement. Right, exactly. Yeah, they generally ignore that larger history of uh, an evolution of the species and they're really not thinking about the important role that cities play. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, the, one of the important aspects of this uh, is that in discarding the experience of Africans, we really lose um, much of the experience of uh, uh, development of our understanding of our relationship to the natural world. You know, we, as the whole idea, particularly uh, with new ecological thinking, which shows that we have to relate to the larger than human world in order to really understand our place. Um, uh, this emphasis on the larger than uh, the human world was not something that uh, anyone in the, in the culture that I grew up with uh, had really much expertise in, except for these strange people who were called themselves environmentalists. You have strange, strange people indeed. <laughs> That's true, and and uh, and now, uh, thanks to you know your work, largely uh, there's a, a lot more people who are getting exposed to this and have this sense that uh, you can connect to the you know more than human world, even if you're in a city. Precisely by this deeper understanding of your evolution and uh, understanding your cosmic context. Yeah, and I think one of the really important parts of this is that uh, we're, we were kind of pre- presented with the view that if we're going to really deal with modern science and anything that was being presented to us, we had to sort of cut ourselves off from our evolutionary context. And what Thomas Berry's work did for me, and I think for a lot of other people, is uh, showing a human a connection between the diversity of human experience in relating to the natural world and uh, access this information that came out of our own history was another another path toward understanding our uh, reliance on uh, traditional cultures as a way of understanding ourselves. And, you know, it's very interesting that people these days, some people these days, relate very much to the indigenous experience, because this is a, a way of kind of getting back to that uh, matrix that has given rise to all humanities. But they very often don't think about the hundreds of thousands of years 
of African experience as really part of our indigenous wisdom that needs to be recovered. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I definitely noticed that. And uh, it makes sense that, you know, in North America, when we're talking about indigenous cultures, that we might focus a lot on North American indigenous cultures, but forgetting the larger global context and the evolutionary context means we just forget about the entire continent of Africa. Exactly. And, you know, a great deal of, uh, you know, other parts of the world, which were uh, thousands of years dependent upon our being able to relate to the natural world as a prerequisite for our own survival. Uh, and this notion that somehow we have to relate to the uh, natural world, and it means that we should be cut off from our own cultures, is, is something that's chal- we're challenging now to, to see that we're, our own traditions of relating to the natural world are really an important contribution to understanding uh, much of the, the modern, modern condition, but both in its positive aspects, but also in its negative aspects on uh, the human community as well as the natural world. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's such a big part of uh, the whole mission of the Forum on Religion and Ecology. It's precisely that we can't uh, shake these traditions. We can't get rid of them even if we wanted to. And so we need to examine uh, the problems and the promise, you know, the dignity and the disaster and find a way to reconstruct these traditions in a, uh, in a just and livable way. Exactly. And as uh, it turns out that the, the, these uh, traditions, these indigenous traditions give us a, a foundation uh, that has been, you know, except for the last century before that, many cultures had access to uh, traditional understandings of the natural world. You know, in the, even in the 19th century, the number of people who, for example, used almanacs as a way of understanding their position in, in the universe. And that's sort of been lost in the last 100, 150 years. That's a good example. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't know anybody that uses almanacs anymore. Yeah, that's, that's a lost art. Exactly. Well, what would be, you know, in light of these kind of things that we've lost, right? People are trying to reconnect. They're looking for some way to reintegrate and uh, and I always like to kind of ask people on the podcast, what would be one thing that somebody could start with? If maybe this is really new to them and they want to start on this path of reintegrating into their tradition, earth evolution, uh, what would be one thing you might recommend, whether that's maybe a reading, you know, a book or a practice or would, meditation? Would, you know, people talk a very great deal about Rachel Carson, which, and for good reasons, because she pointed away toward the natural world uh, that many people kind of sat sat up and took notice. But I also want to mention uh, 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 um, uh, Carver, who was an agronomist from the African-American community who gained fame for uh, sort of celebrating the the peanut as an, a, a critical element, but actually beneath that was an understanding of the soil and how it had been degraded by the harvesting of so so much cotton and how the 
growing of, uh, of peanuts really restored many of the features of uh, the, the, the soil that were uh, kind of necessary in order to really undo the damage of all that uh, you know, production of cotton uh, that was really degrading the soil at that time. Nice. That's such a good example. Yeah. George Washington Carver. That's how, you know, I grew up just hearing him like, oh yeah, the peanut guy. And then later you find out like, no, this was restorative agriculture that can heal our soils, which is exactly what kind of wisdom we need right now. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, geez, that's a perfect note to end on. Uh, Carl Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Uh, and congratulations again on receiving the Thomas Berry Award. Uh, so I guess, you know, I got to let you go. But for uh, folks who are uh, tuning in, next week we'll be back with Paloma Pavel. And she'll get to share more about her perspective on some of this work and with Breakthrough Communities. So in the meantime, take care and Thank be well. Very much. It's been a pleasure to be part of the, uh, this uh, series. and. I'll be looking forward to uh, tuning into that as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Carl.